Hello and welcome to Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. Our podcast series features interviews and discussions on all issues relating to quality early learning and care with a range of speakers who are leaders in the areas that matter to Early Childhood Ireland members. I'm Maura Corbett and I work with Early Childhood Ireland and you're welcome to season two. In this fourth episode of our series, reflecting on how we can best support very young children in early learning and care, I'm really delighted to be joined by Sarah O'Leary, who was the recipient of the 2020 Early Childhood Ireland Pedagogical Leader of the Year Award. Sarah is deeply committed to creating the best experiences and beautiful environments for children. So, Sarah, you're really welcome. It's a pleasure to have you. Thank you, Maura. I'm thrilled to be here. Great. Okay, um, so we're going to kind of pull together the, the three previous podcasts uh, showing how uh, slow relational pedagogy applies in practice. So thinking back to the first um, episode of, of the podcast where uh, Dr. Geraldine French talked about slow relational pedagogy, how does that work in practice for you in Cheeky Curves? When I was listening to Geraldine speak about slow relational pedagogy, it raised a lot of questions for me and how did we do it because without using that language and through reflecting on her piece I discovered that we've been working towards that for years and it has taken years to get to this point and I suppose um, the last 16 years has been an incredible journey where we've explored different philosophies and we've implemented different approaches from High Scope to Marty Mayo to Ashtar and Shilta and of course Reggio Media at the moment. Um, so what I was thinking is that I try and talk to our experience and what we found works for us. It may not be the same for everybody else. Um, yes. Just like Reggio, we're making it relevant to our environment. I, I, that's exactly what I was going to say. I mean, that's the, the thinking behind Reggio is you can't do Reggio anywhere else other than Reggio. You can be inspired by it in your own context. Yeah. And it's the same with slowing down because we all have different focuses and different priorities. So for us um, to start with, we, we've done a lot of reflection on what our image of the child is and what our, what our goal is, what we want to try and provide for children. So one of the bits that we've kind of become very clear on is that we want to support children's emotional development. And we do this through positive social experiences by providing um, play and art opportunities. And part of that is having holding the image of the child central, that they are creative, that they're curious and that they're capable. And if we believe that of the children, our educators have to be creative and believe in themselves and trust in their own abilities. Um, so one of the big things, once we had that clear, I suppose we then began to realize that maybe the high school curriculum and routine that we had been following just had too many transitions that we were finding unmanageable. So we started pairing it right back to see um, what was what transitions could we not do without, you know, which were meal times, um, caring, you know, nappy care, caring, toileting, and rest times. So once we um, worked around that, we realised that the rhythm 
of the day can flow much more naturally when we put these things, when we make them important and give them their own value. And by slowing everything down, they those moments have become equally as important to us as the play and exploration times that happen between them. So it's a bit like the Mar- what Marty Mayo says, you, you know, you're making every um, possible interaction valuable and meaningful for the children. Yeah, and that bit of seeing those um, care routines as, um, you know, Jim Greenman mentions them as prime times. And I think Geraldine French referred to somebody calling them sacred times, um, seeing them as a, as a value rather than a break between other things that has to be got through as quickly as possible. And yeah, when you put I mean, value on it. We have to do them. Yeah. So we might as well make them meaningful. Absolutely. Instead of doing, I think, um, I don't know who in the previous speakers was talking about trying to avoid that conveyor belt approach. For yes, things. yes. Make it a sociable, meaningful connection time between the the educators and their children and the children as a, a group together. So, that is mm. um, so between those transitions, then we discovered that we had... Um, at least an hour and a half of uninterrupted time where the children, we now have um, in, you know, made sure that we can provide opportunities for at least an hour and a half where the children play and explore and work and communicate and build on their relationships um, without having to move on to the next piece. They mm. work with their own piece. And within that time, babies and toddlers who need a sleep or need a change, um, that happens for them rather than um, everybody sleeping at the same time or having nappy changes at the same time. Yeah. And it, I mean, we're following everyone's needs. And I'm going to talk about that later, about how we've also discovered by doing reflection and learning stories that we are truly following the children and getting to know them on a much deeper level than we would have. And I think one of the beautiful things that I, as a, as a part of the leadership team, have discovered is that what I love is when I go into a room and I know it might seem counterintuitive, but when the educators look like they're doing nothing, when they're sitting on the floor brushing the doll's hair, they're not rushing around trying to preempt what's coming next. I know everything needs to get cleaned. I know there are times, but by having a team of educators who trust each other and support each other, they know who's going to do what at different times, ensuring that there's always educators available to be present with the children in their care. You know. And that being present, that, you know, sitting on the floor, brushing the doll's hair, that's such a lovely example of what's really important. Um, and, um, you know, slowing it down to to be able to savour and value those moments because they're the moments that matter to the, the children. Mm-hmm. And, you know, talking about uh, the idea of relation uh, relationships and, you know, uh, Lillian's um, episode was about um, the environment and how the env- how the environment play- plays a role. You've mentioned your influence by Reggio Emilia and the idea of the environment being the third teacher. Uh, can you talk to us a little bit about that and um, and the ever thorny question of who are the other two teachers? It's a uh, 
sometimes a debated topic to know um, who the other two teachers are. So uh, can you take us through your environments, please, Sarah? Well, myself and Michelle were really lucky that in 2008 we got to go to Reggio Emilia with yourself, Maura. Yeah. And um, it was really, really profound for what we realized was possible for children. But of course, it was really intimidating at the time because we were seeing things that were not the ordinary in Ireland and we were coming back saying, oh, we could never do that here. Now, we did bring things back and we brought things back for the environment, like having platforms, having natural and found materials. We got a carpenter to make light tables for us and all these things. But again, it took us four or five years before we fully understood how to use these things and how valuable they could be for the children in their environment. So for us, uh, I suppose our environments are, they're painted in whites and creams, they're really calming, they're aesthetically beautiful. We have um, beautiful rugs on the floor, we have cushions. If we, when we're designing a, a room layout, we look at it from the ground up, because for our very young children, that's where they spend their time. It's not at adult height, so mm. we look and feel comfortable for the child. And one of the major questions that we ask is, how does this feel for the child? What, what curiosities does this support for the child? How are we following their emergent interest? So my expectation when I go into a room is that I can visibly see the personalities of the individuals and the groups that are within the room, as well as their educators. Mm. Because all of us, um, are bringing our own experience, the children as well as the adults. So that, I suppose, the other two teachers then within Reggio are um, the child and the adult. And I suppose the primary teacher in a child's life is their parent. And it's really, really important that, that we as educators collaborate and share information with the parents and that they equally in turn share their knowledge with us about their children because they are the experts about their children. Absolutely. So it's trying to find that balance. And then, um, of course, our educators are bringing their years of experience, like our team of educators that work with the under twos have actually been with us. One of them has been with us since 2008. The others are with us for six and seven years as well. Fantastic. They're bringing their own knowledge and expertise. And they also have a major understanding of why it is we do the things we do. And they're bringing their own interests as well. I mean, I think that's, you know, that's as much as we want to tap into children's forms of knowledge and children's own interests you know, uh, the educators bringing their own expertise, certainly, and their own interests. So, you know, if you're interested in uh, drama and creativity, having the freedom to bring that into your pedagogy is so important, isn't it? Yeah, one of our educators is heavily involved in underage soccer. So we have a little boy who is obsessed with soccer. And because of that, they have now got, found a shared um, interest mm. that they're genuinely interested in and they have conversations about Liverpool all day long <laughs> whereas and that's the education being true to herself as well you know? okay yeah 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 which makes course, which makes for more authentic interactions and relationships and everything's about relationships and mm. the children are no better teacher there's no better teachers for us than the children in showing us how to develop those relationships. 
Absolutely. And then you've mentioned about uh, using learning stories and recognizing the parents as the primary educators of their their children and communicating that that back. Um, in the the kind of five six minutes that we've left, can you talk about how you use learning stories? How you uh, how you develop them, how you communicate them. Okay, so learning stories for us before were always this big, huge piece of work that would have had three or four educators involved in documenting and photographing and all that. But through ongoing professional development at a, a workshop, there was the realisation that we could actually um, use learning stories as really meaningful documents that are now proving themselves to be living and breathing resources within the room. So our educators, just like they would have done before, record the anecdotes, record the observations that they've seen about the children. They, um, within that story, then they talk to why these moments were meaningful for them as the educator and why they thought they were worthy of writing about because they were meaningful for the children. And then for us, the most important part about these learning stories, while they're wonderful to show how much the educator knows the children and values what they're doing, the educator also reflects on what these moments mean. What do they potentially mean for the child? What do they mean for us as educators? Is it that they taught us something? Is it that we're going to be that we're going to start researching a certain project? How are we going to support the child in these observations? So we take observations um, uh, every like every month and then they're compiled into a booklet and they're given to the families as Christmas presents. And they, the feedback from the families has been amazing because of the work that the educators have put into it. And that's achievable by providing the educators with teacher research time. So they get time away to reflect individually and ideally as part, you know, in collaboration with somebody else, either from the leadership team or somebody from another group, you know, another educator. So they, they're real meaningful documents. So, And as, on an ongoing basis, I mean, you, you that idea of sharing them with the parents as Christmas presents is, um, is just beautiful and so meaningful. But on an ongoing basis, I suppose, especially in, in COVID times, how do you communicate those to to parents do you use email or something like that we use email and we have an app that we communicate with the parents and it gets shared on that okay okay so parents are constantly up to date with uh the interests that their children are exploring filing them is you can see the progression mm. you can see how one experience is building on the next is building on the next mm. so i think it gives it even more value having them done like that yeah yeah oh absolutely for the, for the immediate yes yeah yeah seeing the progression is is so important so Sarah thanks a million for for sharing I, I I think this pulling together of the previous three episodes where we talked about the concept of slow relational pedagogy the importance of the environments and the importance of the interactions and showing how that is made real in a real setting every day um, we'll kind of pull it all together and, and show how slow relational pedagogy applies in, in practice. So thank you so much for sharing those ideas. You've given us so much food for thought about um, 
how those ideas of slow relational pedagogy can influence everyday practice to make children's experiences uh, loving, caring and, and relationship re- relational. And uh, thanks to you for listening to Early Childhood Ireland's podcast. Uh, if you've enjoyed the podcast, please tell your friends and colleagues. And we hope you'll join us the next time. And in the meantime, check out our website and our usual social media channels. Thank you.